one blood feed, 300 eggs. It can travel 14 miles just to get blood. It can sense the capillary veins, even through the skin. Because you wonder sometimes, I'm all covered, or I think I'm all covered. It's dark. How did the mosquito get here? And how could it possibly bite me here? Isn't it amazing? So who has given this ability, this sense to the mosquito? It's creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What I want you to realize from this example, from this description, from this presentation, is that nothing at all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an or created is useless. It's amazing. If you reflect, you know, if you think about it even a little, if you do even a little bit of research about it, you'll be amazed, you'll be surprised, you'll be shocked. And this is something that we must realize because this is the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. And this is what develops yaqeen. This is what develops love in our hearts for the Qur'an. So nothing at all that Allah has mentioned and nothing at all that Allah has created is useless. Thus we must pay heed to every command and everything that Allah has mentioned. Okay. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Ayah number 27. At the end of the previous verse, we learn that none are led astray by the examples mentioned in the Qur'an except for those who are fasiqeen, except for those people who cross limits. I told you earlier that fisq is to cross the limit, to cross the boundaries. And there are two types of fisq. One is fisq akbar and the other is fisq asghar. Major fisq is to cross the boundaries of Islam so that a person does not remain a Muslim anymore. He's not a believer. And the minor fisk is that a person is a believer, but he crosses the limits which make him a disobedient person, but not necessarily a disbeliever. So over here, al-fasiqeen, who is this referring to? It's referring to mainly those who are disbelievers. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who disbelieve, they say, مَاذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا مَثَلًا and they are the ones who are misguided. They are the ones who don't find guidance from the Qur'an. And who are they? What is their reality? That they cross limits. What are the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for us? That we are human beings, that we surrender to Allah, that we accept what He has said, not that we start objecting what He has said. Not so that we start mocking at what He has said. So fasiqeen, why are they called fasiqeen? Because they do not surrender, rather they object. They don't accept, rather they criticize. This is why they're described as fasiqeen. And when a person crosses his limits with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he oversteps the bounds. So instead of respecting Allah, he disrespects Allah. Instead of accepting what he has said, he objects at what he has said. Then this person also crosses the limits with regards to the rights of people. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the fasiqeen as, first of all, الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ those who break the covenant of Allah after binding it. Secondly, وَيَقْطَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَن يُوصَلْ And they cut what Allah has commanded should be joined. And thirdly, وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ And they create mischief in the land. These are the characteristics of who? Fasiqeen. You see how when a person crosses the limits with respect to the rights of Allah, he will also do the same with respect to the rights of people. So the first characteristic, الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ يَنْقُضُونَ is from the root letters نُون قَافْ ضَادْ نَقْضْ 
and نقد is to break or destroy something after making it firm. To break something, destroy something after making it firm. Like for example, you tie a knot. Or for example, a person knits a sweater. So what is نقد? That you break that tie, you open it up. Or for example, the sweater has been knitted and you unravel the entire yarn, all of the threads. So something that was consolidated together, something that was bound together, something that was made firm, نقد is to open it up, destroy it, weaken it. And this is why the word نقد is also used for breaking a promise, breaking a covenant, to nullify a covenant, something that was consolidated, something that was contracted. You made a contract, you break it, you violate it. This is what? نقد. So what do they break? They break عهد الله, the covenant of Allah. The word عهد is from the root letters عين هذال and عهد is used for a pact, a commitment, a pledge, a promise that has to be looked after, that a person has to pay attention to and he has to keep it. He has to abide by it. So they break the covenant of Allah when? Mimbardi after Misaqihi, it's binding. Misaq is from the root letters waw saqaf, wathaqa. Wathaqa is to make something firm and wathaq is such a rope or chain with which something is tied tightly. Imagine a rope or a chain with which something you tie very tightly. This is what wathaq is. And misaq is used for a covenant, a pact, an agreement that is not ordinary, but that which has been made very firm. For example, one is that you say to me, okay, I will work for you. You give me your word. Is this a promise? If you say to another person, okay, I will work for you. You give them your word. Is it a promise? Yes, it is. But if you sign a contract... It's an official legal document in which there is an agreement that you will work for such and such amount of time and you will do certain work and you will be paid a certain amount of money. And at the end, you sign it and your boss also signs it. Is that an official document? Has the promise been made firm? Yes, it has been made firm. This is what a misaq is. Similarly, Another example could be that a person makes a promise, he says, yes, I will come. And the other is that he says, yes, wallahi, I will come. Wallahi, I will do this. He's swearing by Allah. So when he swears by Allah, is he making that promise very firm? Yes. So misaq is not an ordinary covenant. It's not an ordinary promise. It's that which has been made very firm. So mimbardi misaqihi. They made a covenant with Allah and they made it very firm. How? That they swore by Allah that they were definitely going to fulfill it. But yet they violated it. Yet they broke that promise. They did not abide by it. The question is, which promise is this? Which covenant is this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to? Some have said that it's referring to the promise, the covenant of believing in the messenger and following him and helping him when he comes. Because when a messenger of Allah comes to a people, it is mandatory on them, it is obligatory on them that they must believe in him, they must accept him, they must support him. This is an obligation on the people and this is a pact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took with every previous nation. For example, we learn in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah 12, 
that وَلَقَدْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ مِثَاقَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلُ That certainly Allah took a covenant from the children of Israel. Who are the children of Israel? Are you familiar with them? Inshallah you will learn more about them, but just to make it easy for you, the Yahud. And remember that before the Prophet ﷺ came, the Yahud and the Nasara, the Jews and the Christians, they were the believers of their time. Why? Because they believed in the messenger that had come to them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took a promise from them. And in the ayah we learn that, وَآمَنْتُمْ بِرُسُلِي That you will definitely believe in my messengers. So it was a covenant that they had made that when Muhammad ﷺ will come, they will definitely believe in him. But did they believe in him? Did they accept him? Did they help him? No, they did not. So disbelieving in the messenger, in other words, is what? Breaking the covenant with Allah. Breaking the promise with Allah. So, الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ Secondly, it has also been said that this covenant is referring to the covenant that every single person has made with Allah before even He came to this world. And it's referring to the عَهْد of Alas. That we learn in Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 172. That before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent people into this world, when Adam alayhi salam was created, all of the souls of every single human being, every single soul was brought into existence. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala questioned that, am I not your Lord? And everyone said that, yes, of course, Allah, you are our Lord. Every single person made that covenant with Allah. That you are our Lord and we will worship none but you. So when a person comes into this world and he does not worship Allah, he denies Allah, he rejects Allah, is he fulfilling the promise or is he breaking it? He's breaking it. So يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ Allah, In other words, is who? Those who disbelieve in Allah and disbelieve in His messengers. الَّذِينَ يَنْقُضُونَ عَهْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مِيثَاقِهِ Secondly, وَيَقْطَعُونَ And they cut. قَافْطَعِينَ قَطَعَ Qata'a is to cut something, to sever something. So they cut off. What do they cut off? Ma that which amara Allahu, that Allah has commanded. Amara. From the root letters Hamza, Meem, Ra. Or Alif, Meem, Ra. Have you heard of the word Amr? I told you, Fi'l, Amr. And what does that mean? A command, an imperative. So they cut off what Allah has commanded. Ma amara Allahu bihi, with it. And that yusala, it should be joined. Yusala is from the root letters waw, sad, lam. Wasala. And wasala is to join one thing with the other. To connect one thing with the other. Two things were separate. They were disconnected. You join them together. When you join them together, they have as though become one thing. For example, you have a sticker and you have a piece of paper. You put the sticker on the paper. Have you joined the two? Yes. Similarly, you have a rope and you have a box. You take the rope and you tie the box with it. You wrap it around the box. Have you joined the rope with the box? Yes, you have. This is what wasala is. So, in other words, they cut off what Allah has commanded, that it must be joined, that it must be connected together. What is it that Allah has commanded us? That we must join it, we must connect it together, we must not break it. First of all, ties of kinship, blood ties. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us that we must maintain our relationships with our relatives. That we cannot cut off from our relatives. For example, a brother says to his sister, I don't know you, 
get out of my life. I don't want to ever see you again. Because he's very upset because of what she did. So what happens then? They don't meet each other. They don't speak to one another. They don't go anywhere where the other is present. And when they get married, when they have their children, they don't tell their children about who their uncle is, who their aunt is. Children have no idea. This is what? Cutting off relationship with relatives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden us from doing that. The fasiqeen, what do they do? They break ties of kinship. They break the blood ties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Similarly, what else has Allah commanded us to join? When Allah gives us a command, any command, any instruction, whether it is to pray or it is to be good to others, any command that Allah has given to us, is it that He has given it to us so that we ignore it or that we follow it? Why did Allah give us that command? So that we follow it. And following it means joining it, metaphorically. Not literally, but metaphorically. So, Allah has commanded that every instruction that He has given, we must abide by it, we must follow it. But those who disregard the commands of Allah, those who disobey Allah, what are they doing? Cutting what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded must be joined. In other words, they are disobedient to Allah. يَقْطَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَيُّصَلْ Third characteristic, وَيُفْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ And they create mischief in the earth. They create disorder, they spread corruption in the earth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Does Allah like fasad? No. Allah tells us explicitly in the Qur'an that He does not like fasad. So a person when he does fasad, what is he doing? Fisk. He's getting out of the bounds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for him. Now the question is, what is fasad? Fasad is corruption, disorder. What are the two types of fasad? The first type of fasad is to create disorder in the earth itself, the physical earth. Like for example, pollution, destroying buildings, bombing places, killing people. This is what? Fasad fil ard. The other type of fasad is fasad fi ahlil ard, amongst the dwellers of the earth. Like for example, lying, cheating, backbiting. So the fasiqeen, what do they do? They create fasad in the earth. And I told you earlier that fasad is done by disobeying Allah. Any act of disobedience, what is it? Fasad. It's going to lead to disorder. When you backbite someone, when you cheat someone, when an innocent person is killed. So, وَيُبْسِدُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Meaning they are busy disobeying Allah. Causing disorder, havoc on earth. Harming other people. No person is safe from them. What do we learn from the hadith? That al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadihi. The Muslim is the one from whose tongue and hands other Muslims are safe. But these people, what do they do? They harm other people. Wa yufsiduna fil ard. Allah says, "Ulaika humul khasirun." Such people. What are they? Khasirun. Khasirun is a plural of khasir. From the root letters khasin ra. Khusran. And khusran is to lose out, to be a loser. It is to not gain profit. When a person does any action, does he do it in order to gain some benefit out of it? For example, you eat something. Why are you eating? Just for the sake of eating? Either to get pleasure, or to get energy, or to satisfy your hunger. Any action that we do, it's always for a reason. It's always in order to get some benefit. That benefit is the gain. So they are khasirun, meaning they get nothing out of what they do. No benefit. 
Instead, what do they gain? Only punishment, no reward. So, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ They're great losers. Why are they losers? Because they will not get the reward. One person is obedient, another person is disobedient. Are both equal? No. The one who is obedient, is he going to get something? Yes. He's going to get reward. And the one who is disobedient, is he going to get reward? No, he's not going to get reward. So isn't he a loser? Yes. One person is he who studies for his test and gets good marks. The other is he who does not bother to study. Will he get good marks? No, he's a loser. One person gained, the other person was a loser. So, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ They're losers. Why? Because they will not get reward. They will not get any benefit. What do we learn from this verse? The first characteristic is of disobeying Allah. Not worshipping Allah. Not being obedient to Allah. Rather being disobedient to Allah. So anytime a person falls short in doing what is obligatory, like for example, salah, he does not perform salah, or a person does what Allah has forbidden, then who is he? A fasiq. He is a fasiq. Because he is not doing what Allah has commanded him, and he is doing what Allah has forbidden him. He is a fasiq. That's the first quality of the fasiqeen. Another thing that we learn from this is that the characteristic of the fasiqeen is that they cut off what Allah has commanded, that it should be joined. And at the top of the list is what? Relatives, blood ties, ties of kinship. We learn from a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, that لا يدخل الجنة قاطعون. This is a hadith in Bukhari. A person who cuts off his blood ties with his relatives, such a person will not enter paradise. Forget about all the good deeds he's done. Forget about the hajj that he went to. Forget about anything good he did. He cut off ties with his relatives. He is not, not entering paradise. Is that scary? Is that worrisome? It is. You see, problems with relatives, is it something normal? Do you get into arguments with your brothers and sisters? Has it ever happened that perhaps your aunt or your uncle said something to you that you hated, that you did not like, and because of that every time you see them, you're haunted by what they said? You dislike them? Perhaps something that your grandparents did? Perhaps something that your father did? Perhaps something that your cousin did? Perhaps something that any relative of yours did? Does that happen? It happens. Having problems with relatives is something that is normal. However, cutting off ties with the relatives, that is not normal. That is not acceptable. That is a deed that wastes the good deeds of a person, that leads him to hellfire. This is something very, very serious. لا يدخل الجنة قاطعون But we see that people have many excuses, many justifications for cutting off ties with their relatives. Oh, they're so bad. She said this to me. My aunt, she's so horrible with me. My grandparents did this to me and my mother. They have been so evil. They never gave us our share of inheritance. They never do this. They never do that. We have a list of complaints. And perhaps they are right. Perhaps they are justified. But still we see, no matter what our relatives do, it is not permissible for us that we cut off our ties with them. We learn that Asma bint Abi Bakr. Who was she? The daughter of Abu Bakr anhu, the sister of Aisha anhu, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. Her mother was a mushrika. She was a mushrik woman and she did not do hijrah to Medina. 
You know when people migrated from Makkah to Medina? Abu Bakr anhu was in Makkah. He came to Medina. Asma anhu came to Medina. But Asma anhu's mother, she remained a mushrik. She stayed in Makkah. She did not immigrate to Medina. However, once she came to Medina to visit her daughter. So she went to the Prophet wasallam and she said, My mother is coming. Should I let her in? Should I meet her? Should I speak with her? The Prophet ﷺ said, yes, Sili ummaki. Join relations with your mother, meaning don't cut off from her. Even if your relative is a non-Muslim, you are not allowed to cut off ties with them. Can you imagine? If a person associates partners with Allah, rejects Allah, does not give the haq of Allah, still you are not allowed to cut off ties with them. Then how do you think that we can cut off ties with them just because they said something harsh to us? Just because they did not invite us over? Just because they did not give us a gift? Just because they didn't show up at your wedding? Is that really a great crime compared to associating partners with Allah? Is it? No. The haqq of Allah is always greater than the haqq of people. Still Allah says, maintain ties with them. To Asma who was given that advice by the Prophet ﷺ. Why do you think it is necessary to maintain ties with your relatives? Why is it such a big deal? If we don't know, we're not going to do it. We have to know the reason. We have to know the benefit. What's the benefit? What do you think? Because Allah has made that relationship between us and them. It was the decision of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who chooses their parents? Who chooses their siblings? Who chooses their cousins? Who chooses their aunts and uncles? Nobody does that. Who makes this decision for us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And we have no choice with regards to it. We learned earlier that a fasiq is he who objects at the statements of Allah. مَاذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا مَثَلًا And a fasiq is also the one who does not accept the decision of Allah. Why else do you think it's necessary for us to maintain ties with our relatives? It's a highly rewardable act. It's a deed that brings a lot of reward. I'll tell you a hadith. Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever wants more wealth and whoever wants to live longer, then he should keep good relations with his kith and kin. More wealth, more life. Who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. It's a highly rewardable deed. We learn from another hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that the word ar-rahm, ar-rahm is used for the womb in Arabic language. So Ar-Rahm derives its name from Ar-Rahman. Rahm, Rahman. So whoever keeps good relations with it, then Allah will keep good relations with him. You want to have a good relationship with your Lord? You want that if you are in a difficulty, Allah should always help you? If you want good relationship with your Lord, what do you need to do? Keep good relationship with who? Your relatives. And whoever will cut off his blood ties, then Allah too will sever his relations with him. A person who cuts off from his relatives, Allah will cut off from him. If a person can tolerate his closest family members, his patience level, his tolerance level, isn't it going to go higher? Imagine, your siblings, you know them, you live with them. Or even if you don't like them, do you not have to call them every now and then? Yes. But every time they say something hurtful, every time they annoy you and you are patient, isn't it going to increase your patience level? Yes, it will. So if you can bear them, can you not bear other people? 
Yes, you can. But if you cannot tolerate them, can you tolerate other people? You cannot tolerate them. And if you cannot tolerate your family members, you cannot tolerate the people in this world, then what would this lead to? People harming other people all the time. And this is exactly what's going on. People don't have any respect for humanity. People don't have any respect for human beings. That it leads to many, many wrong things. That cutting off ties with your relatives may lead to many other problems as well, many other sins as well. Like for example, if a person cuts off ties with his brother, he's not going to talk to him. Is he going to talk bad about him? Yes. It's going to lead to ghibah. Perhaps it's going to lead to accusing them of something that they never committed because you have to make them seem very evil. So many times people have come up with their own stories and it's all false. Isn't it? It leads to lying. For example, children are told, no, you don't have any uncles or aunts. Whereas in reality they do. Isn't that a big lie? Isn't that depriving children of who their relatives are? Yes. So it leads to many other sins. So we see that maintaining ties with relatives is important because A, it keeps us human. B, it makes us more tolerant. C, it's a source of great reward. D, it leads to many good deeds. This is why it's essential that we must maintain ties with our relatives. We must not cut off from them. We must have a big heart. If you think about it, there's no family that can claim we have no family problems. Every person or at least every family has some problem. Like for example, two cousins got married, they got divorced and now the whole family is cut off. What are some of the reasons why people cut off ties with their relatives? Okay, they had a family business, they wanted the son to work with them. He decides not to work with them. Instead he wants to do something else and that's it, he's cut off. He's told you will not get any inheritance, you will not get anything from this business, you have no share in it. Cut off. Just because he made an independent decision, which he has a right to do. Okay, distribution of inheritance or wealth amongst the children, which causes them to cut off from one another. Unfair distribution. Yes, for example, a man decides he's going to marry a particular woman and the parents say, if you marry her, you don't know us. A girl decides to marry a man, the parents say, if you marry him, we don't know you. You know, forget me. Think of me as dead. People say such emotional statements, isn't it? But these are very big statements that can have great consequences. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يدخل الجنة قاطعون لا يدخل الجنة قاطعون This is something very, very serious. So, the fasiqeen are who? Those who cut off ties with their relatives. Now one is to cut off ties with them and the other is maintaining ties with them. Is there a difference? Yes. Cutting off ties means, I don't know you, you don't know me. Maintaining ties is what? That because they are your relatives, you meet them every so often, you speak to them every so often. When you go visit them, you take something for them. You give a gift to them when you visit them. This is what? Maintaining ties with relatives. Is that important? That is also important. Why? Because we human beings need one another. We cannot live independently. We cannot live alone. Because we go through times of happiness and grief. And at these times, we need the support of other people, especially that of our close relatives. So that is also essential. Alright? And that is what keeps human beings human. That is what creates love and affection for other people in our hearts. So it's very important that if you have relatives living around you in this city, in this country, 
visit them, meet them, talk to them. And if they're not in this country, they're abroad, then still make the effort to talk to them every so often, or at least visit them every so often, whatever is possible. Now one problem, a person might say, I try to be good with my relatives, but they're so evil with me. This is why I hate them. Have you heard such words? Yes. They're so mean to me. I gave them a gift, they never gave me a gift. I visit them every two years, they never visit me. I go and stay with them, they never come and stay with me. I invite them over for meals, they never come. They never invite me. I send gifts for their children, they don't even know the names of my children. Is that possible? Yes, it is possible. So is it justified in this case to cut off ties with them? Or to not maintain relationships with them? Is it? But if you meet them, you're going to be hurt. Then why is it justified? The Prophet ﷺ said that al-wasil, al-wasil, I'm paraphrasing the hadith, al-wasil, meaning the one who joins relation, is not the one who maintains good ties with his relatives, that if they're good to him, he's good to them. But rather al-wasil is the one who, when his relatives cut off from him, he joins his ties with them. That those who are mean to you, you are good to them. Those who cut off from you, you join with them. This is what we are commanded to do. And this is a hadith which is in Sahih Bukhari. Another hadith tells us that a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that I have relatives with whom I try to have close relationship, but they severed this relation. I try to meet them, I try to be good with them, but they always cut off from me. It's like, I try to take the initiative, but they always ignore me. They always keep a distance from me. You know, I try to talk to them, but they're so cold. I try to talk to them, but they don't, you know, have a conversation with me. I treat them well, but they treat me ill. I am good to them, but they are harsh towards me. So the Prophet ﷺ said, If it is so as you say, then you in fact throw hot ashes. You know, basically you're the winner. And there would always remain with you on behalf of Allah an angel to support you. There would always remain with you on behalf of Allah some support against them who would keep you dominant over them so long as you adhere to this path of righteousness. So as long as you do this, Allah's help will always be with you. This is why it's worth it. Do you all know about the names of your uncles and aunts? Their children, your cousins, do you know? I'll give you a homework. I actually want this to be followed up in groups. And if possible, inshallah, I will try to assign marks to this. To make sure every single one of you do it. Make a family tree. If you have children, make a family tree with your children. If you have siblings, get them involved as well. Know who your relatives are. How far back? Obviously, the extended family can be huge, right? I mean, you can have grandparents, you can have great-grandparents, but at least your parents, their parents, their children, so your brothers and sisters, their children, your uncles and aunts, their spouses, their children, at least this much. And if you do have other relatives who are alive, even if they're very distant, and you know them, you are in terms with them, meaning you meet one another every now and then, so children should also know how you are related with them. For example, a distant aunt. Children have no idea who this distant aunt is. They should know who she is. Your grandmother's cousin, for example. So make sure you do this, inshallah. Okay. The question is that what if you got in a fight with your friend and so you don't talk to them? Is that also wrong? 
Yes, it is wrong. Because مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلْ Allah has not just told us to maintain ties with our relatives, but He has also created a bond of brotherhood, sisterhood between believers. We are supposed to maintain friendship with who? Our brothers and sisters in Islam. Which is why we see that if a person ends up in a fight with another believer and does not speak to them, he's not allowed to not speak to them for more than three days. Your fight cannot go beyond three days. Okay? Remember there are different levels of friendship. Someone is a best buddy with you. Another is not that close with you. But doesn't mean that when they pass by you, you don't look at them. When you see them, you don't say salam to them. No, you should. We have to maintain this tie. So, يَقْطَعُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلْ What's the next attribute? That they create fasad in the earth. If you think about it, fasad fil ard, this is a result of what? Breaking promise with Allah, disobeying Allah, and severing bonds of kinship. It leads to fasad fil ard. Such people, what are they? Losers. They think that they are winners, but in reality, what are they? Losers. Losers. 